Hey, what's going on out there? How you doing? This is Jim. I am just here to say hello and ask you how your how your week is going. Uh, so it is Sunday. I podcasted from my car a week ago, uh, and it was freezing out. It was absolutely frigid. My Halloween was a was a wonderful fall day. Temperate. I was out walking in almost shorts, except I never wear shorts. I'm not a shorts guy. I've never shorts and flip flops. There's some apparel things I just never do. I don't. I don't think people need to be seeing my legs, even if it's warm enough to be allowing that. If I'm at the gym, then okay. But but now it, it's it is a week later. Um, the day after Halloween was freezing. I was sitting in the car just letting it run for the heat. Now it is. Uh, I'm again sitting in my car. The sun is beaming down, and I had the AC going driving over here. Uh, time will tell how much I'll be able to stand sitting here with the sun coming in. I think I might start sweating. It is really warm out. It's like 70. It was 70 yesterday. I don't know how. I, I don't remember this. Like I don't know if this is weird. I am. I am where I grew up. And I don't know if I remember 70 degree weather uh, for a period of two or three days in November. It's certainly possible. It certainly could have happened. Don't know, though. Anyway, uh, I thought I would spin this up. Start talking into this thing, into this mic. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're new to this, which is probably anyone who would be listening to this. My name is Jim. Um, I just started doing this podcast as a way of staying sane during shelter in place for COVID. Uh, I was, I was in San Francisco living in a, uh, living by myself in a little place. And, uh, early on, it was kind of like we didn't know how bad this thing was going to be. So I, I was just not going anywhere. I was going out for groceries and that was it and nothing else. You know, didn't have a whole lot of contact with a lot of people, so I just started uh, started this podcast to keep myself from going stir crazy. And I kind of like doing it, so I keep doing it. But the thing is, I'm not a professional uh, anything regarding podcastery. I am not like a, a journalist. Uh, I don't know anything about music, like production or audio or any of that stuff. So I just sort of turn this on and start rambling. Don't expect anything. The expectation in place. Let's talk about some stuff. What the hell's going on? I'm sitting outside Target in Rochester Hills, Michigan. That is right. Used to come up here. This is the little, my friends and I used to come up here and just hang out. This was like one of the closest major shopping centers. You could just go pal around in. It's like, there's a, it's a big mall. Big outdoor mall. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to ramble about that too much because it's not interesting. Just to say I'm setting the stage in case you're wondering who I am, where I am, what's going on. It's a beautiful, sunny November day. I'm outside of a Target in suburban Detroit. I've started to get a sense of just how long this winter is going to be. Uh... Yeah, because the thing is, it's San Francisco. I was in San Francisco before this. 
uh, till about three months ago. I decided to move back to Michigan because that I was unemployed, um, quit my job right before COVID and I, I, I wasn't working. I was like just in San Francisco. I, I didn't know why. I was like, when I get hired, when I get a job, uh, it doesn't matter where I am. You know, just about anybody who would hire me, uh, since I'm a, uh, programmer is just going to like send me a laptop in the mail and say, here, start writing some code. They're not going to insist I come into the office until this pandemic is done with. So I was like, I might as well go home spend some time with my parents and, you know, be supportive of them however I can, you know, get in some FaceTime uh, in person. And I'm really glad that I did that. Uh, but at three months in, I'm starting to feel like, okay, uh, you know, they live in a little condo community that is for, um, I think that the term is active adult living. It's basically one step uh, before you get to nursing home. You know, it's like a transition from a normal house. Like you're you're just in a community where you have to, I think you have to be 65 or over to live there. And so that's, that's basically where I'm in. I'm in this house with my parents. Uh, and it, it's, it's just a neighborhood that's set back uh, kind of in the woods, uh, with a bunch of, um, AARP card carrying, um, you know, people, they're nice people, they're swell people, but, um, I'm starting to like feel in my soul and my body, just how unnatural it is being there. You know, I, I find myself I, 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 like, this is why I'm out at Target right now, sitting outside. I'm just, like, looking at people. I'm, like, I'm not even being shy about staring at them. Like, it's it's not like I'm checking people out, like, girls. It's I'm just looking at anyone. I'm just staring at them so that they'll look back at me and notice me. It's like, yes, I am here. I just want to be, like, viewed as a person. Like, this is what I was getting in San Francisco in some measure. Uh, You know? It's kind of, there's pros and cons. Like right now it's a pandemic. You want to limit human contact. Uh, But just being amongst people who would see you and you'd have to like move out of their way on the street or they'd have to move out of your way. um, That was all going on. There was a lot more people around that I really felt comfortable with, but now I've gone too far in the opposite direction. I'm just somewhere that's, completely isolated and to just have your parents around that's i think that's better than nothing that's still you know a, a mixed that's a mixed bag in any case it is going well i just sort of realized that this winter is going to be pretty long um i need to find some i need to find some joy you know the thing is what the things i do i read i play music i listen to music i work uh, that just ain't, that just ain't it. That ain't the thing. I haven't found the, uh, the source of joy, the thing I love. Um, anyway, it's, I think I'll just lean into Christmas, start playing Christmas music, decorate for it. 
uh, probably what I'm going to start doing. I can, I can get through the next couple months. I'm just starting to wonder if I shouldn't wait. I don't know if I should wait until this pandemic is over to go back to the Bay Area, or if I should just, I don't know if I should go back to the Bay Area, wherever it is I go after this. I don't know if I should wait till the pandemic is completely over before I move on. I'm kind of thinking about taking, actually, I didn't, this, this video, I should just take a road trip. I should go somewhere, uh, you know, next weekend, get out of town, go experience something, I don't know, somewhere else. Maybe I'll do that. That sounds good. Anyways, that's what's going on in my world. And this is a one-way conversation, so I thought you can weigh in. I really can't ask you how the hell you're doing, but hope you're doing all right. I guess we could talk about the election uh, as of yesterday, uh, Saturday the 7th, which is, what, day five of this kind of slow motion roll towards the to, to the result. We all just sort of watching in suspense. Uh, yeah, it was announced yesterday that uh, all the major news outlets uh, projected that Biden uh, has won uh, the Electoral College uh, enough votes. He has been declared president-elect. So Trump will be, Trump is now a lame duck president on his way out. Yeah. That's uh that's what's going on. I got to say I'm fairly relieved by that. Um as long as we're getting into politics, of course the thing people always want to know first off is well, what the hell are you? Me, I am I call myself a centrist. I have sympathies to both sides. Like I, I don't tow any party line because there's both parties are right and wrong about varying things in my own humble opinion. So, uh, but so it's not like I don't like Trump because I'm one of those foaming at the mouth liberals who just has nothing better to talk about. And I have all kinds of pent up anger. And I just have to like talk about how much I hate Trump. I am ambivalent about Donald Trump. I always have been. And it's always felt to me like a waste of precious energy um, making as big a thing out of him as people have been. Yeah, I was in the Bay Area, a traditionally left-leaning area of the country, um, for the last four years, uh, for, yeah, for the duration of Trump's presidency. I was, I was hired just before he got elected and I left a couple months ago. So I have heard all the vitriol. I've heard all the anger and the animosity. I'm just as annoyed with that as I am with Trump supporters. The whole conversation around Trump is what I am I am sick of. And I think that's why I'm that's why I'm glad that he's gone. I hope that I hope that the news cycle is now no longer 
here's what Trump did today. And here's why people are happy about it. And here's why people are angry about it. And there's just this debate going back and forth. If people are going to talk about politics that way, I wish they would talk about policy. Like, what is the right policy given a particular issue? Not, what did this one guy do? I don't care if he is president. The president should not be the sole focus. Um, so I'm glad that that, I, I think that, I hope that will be a thing of the past. I can't see Biden taking up that mantle and suddenly tweeting a bunch of nonsense all the time and you know, saying, you know, bragging about how he won the 2020 election, you know, two or three years down the line on Twitter. I don't think he's going to do that. Um, yeah, so the fact that it just it consumed a part of people's brains, um, the energy, like that, that was what the conversation was. It was about Trump and not about what he was doing in government. Yeah, the outrage. The second thing is that I really didn't like the way he handled himself. The thing is, I you know, people say, for example, that Trump lies. And of course, I have to kind of counter that and say, well, don't don't politicians lie? Isn't that just what they do? The thing is, I think with with Trump, it's the, the magnitude of it. Qualitatively, it's a little bit different. Um. I remember very, very early, very early on, uh, watching an, an interview with a reputable journalist. I forget who it was. If it was MSNBC or, or something, you know, say what you want to about the MSNBC or whatever news outlet it was. It was one you'd heard of, and the guy was pressing Trump for details. He was saying like, "I want to hear the story from you. I'm asking you this question." And Trump was like, "Well, you can just figure it out. I'm, I don't have to answer that question. That's that's silly." And, you know, the guy was saying, like, well, I don't want to just figure out the story. I mean, I want to hear the story from you because, according to you, I'm fake news. He's trying to get it right. He's saying, like, look, you're going to decry whatever I say if you don't like it. So I want to hear the story from you. And Trump just sort of like like a stubborn, angry child uh, just sort of like walked away, went over and sat down at his desk and like just sort of pretended he was busy doing something with some papers. Just a flagrant disrespect, like just not acting like an adult uh, to another adult. And I think that was the moment that I think I lost most of my respect for him. And I kind of realized, I think the vitriol is warranted here. I, I don't see how people can support this person. Just interpersonally, if you're going to whine and piss and moan when a reporter is asking you a question because you don't like the subject or what, you know, the answer you might have to give, uh, whoever's president, you got to be better than that. You really do. It's your, it's one of your responsibilities. It's, and it was things like that. Like the, you all know this, at least those of you who are viewing Trump with a critical eye. Uh, this is, this is what I, I, I didn't like the fact that he just seemed to have no respect for the job, for the people around him, for the office. This is ad hominem. Uh, it's a, you know, an attack on his character, but I think character matters. 
And there is a difference. Like the thing is, he always talked about how you fake news, the whole fake news thing, um, a term which I, I think we're now stuck with for a little while longer, being thrown around and being used to dismiss whatever is being reported upon. Uh, he would come out and say, you can't really trust what's in the newspapers. They're not reputable. They're just garbage. And the thing is, you can point to some things that Thomas Jefferson wrote way back in the day that sound exactly like that. Uh, he wrote these things in, in, you know, private correspondences to people. He would say, you know, you can't really trust anything that you read in a newspaper. You know, as soon as anything ends up in that polluted vehicle, it just cannot be trusted anymore. He wrote things like this. You, you can look this up. Uh, so does that mean that uh, you can compare Donald Trump and Thomas Jefferson? I would say no. There's a very, very big difference between Thomas Jefferson writing his opinions in a private correspondence and in the broader context of, of being critical of the media in private correspondence, making the point that the media cannot be trusted. It's a terrible medium. You know, it's it's inherently going to be faulty and flawed and shouldn't trust what's in there. Uh, but he would go on to say it's a necessary part of democracy. It's just it's part of what the system needs in order to work. Saying that in a private letter is one thing. Now, Trump would come out and say that publicly in front of everyone. And he did it as a way of undermining faith in the whole democratic process. He wasn't saying, yeah, it's all fake news, but the news is important. We have to respect that they're expressing some opinion and uh, so on and so forth. He was using it to try and undermine faith in democracy, not to say, well, it's just a necessary evil for democracy to function. So things like this, this is the reason I'm more or less glad he's gone. Uh, do I think Biden is perfect? No, I don't. But I'm really glad that we get we get to focus our energy not on what Trump is doing and more on where the country is headed. And we can more or less have more trust in the person who's now at the helm. Um, shouldn't be blind trust. But I would say he's going to do a hell of a lot better job than uh, than Trump was. So I hope it holds. I know that there's going to be a major, major battle going on now. And uh, okay, the thing is, I'm way at the back of the parking lot. There is nobody anywhere near me. But there's a, some people uh, that just parked in a car right next to me, like a space over, and then I just kind of hanging out outside their car. Um, ah, this is distracting. Anyway, think about it. Like, this is so strange. Like, I know I'm going to put this out for people to listen to it. People are going to hear this, like, if they want to. Anybody who can click play if they happen to come across this thing. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me that this will be made public. The thing is, in the moment, like when I'm 
like actually recording this thing, when I'm actually saying this or that, I, I need privacy. Like it was always so distracting to me when I was in my place in San Francisco. I could hear people in the hallway and my neighbors couldn't hear me. The walls were actually padded very, very well. But the front door in the hallway out there, uh, you, you could walk down the hall and you would hear everything going on in people's living rooms. You know, the doors had no insulative capacity in terms of the what was the noise inside. So I'd hear people walking outside and I'd be like, they can hear me. And it would always throw me off. I don't know why. Again, this is meant for public consumption. But for some reason, in the moment, if I think somebody is listening to me, uh, it's distracting. I don't know why. I don't know why the hell that should bother me. Any case, I've I've kind of thought about what is going to happen now. Um, getting getting back to the election, and I mean, people are talking about, uh, you know, it's it's now a matter of we're going to have to evict him. I think somebody's going to have to like uh, grab Trump's shirt collar and you know the back seat of his pants and and haul you know toss him out of the White House like he's getting eighty sixth from a bar. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I don't care to speculate. He'll end up leaving, provided his victory holds, provided like none of the legal things he's doing in court alter the outcome at all. Um, yeah, I don't really know what is going to happen. Uh, what I do think is that I think most people who support him now, and there's this was a this was a squeaker of an election. That's why we didn't know for five days. It was crazy just how close this whole thing was. Um, so there, there's a lot of people out there who I think are are right now probably pretty riled up about the fact that their guy lost, which is understandable. Um, I can appreciate that, but I actually think that. Give it, uh, I don't know how long, maybe six months from now, that would be next. You know, the inauguration happens, Trump is gone, Biden's in. There'll be some, I don't know, there'll be, be a big fuss made about it for a little while. But I think ultimately it dies down. You know, the people that are supporting Trump right now, I think they're very flavor of the moment, most of them. Uh, they're just sort of like, it's like, why are people, why did people vote for Biden? I don't know how many people actually voted for Biden versus people voting against Trump. But I think it's the, it's the same thing uh, on the on the right. It's like, were, were people voting for Trump or were they voting against Biden? And were they voting against the values that they perceive Biden to be, you know, to stand for? I think it was that. So... As soon as Trump really isn't the spokesperson or the, the, you know, a public representative for those values, as soon as he's like ex-president and just some guy, uh, I think people are going to fall away from supporting him. They're just going to move on to, you know, who, who's the next person that's going to stand for us. The people will move on. Now, I think there'll be some small faction and it, it, I don't know how big it will be. I'm kind of wondering about that. But some, something less than 50% of the country, but some very much smaller proportion of people are going to continue 
being his supporters. They're basically Trumpers. And they've, they won't let this whole election go. They won't let everything that happened, they'll be in his court. They'll say like he was a victim. There was a plot against him from the, from the, you know, very first days in office and so on and so forth. All the stuff that he's put forward, all the rhetoric he's spewed about being a victim. There are some people who will buy this up and they're basically Trump supporters for life. Those are people who I think that's what it's going to be. Trump is maybe going to write a book. Maybe he'll just start going on tours and then talking about these things. He'll, he'll end up being one of those fringe guys who just has an audience that he, that he, that he talks to. Um, something like the, the Reverend Jerry Falwell or, you know, um, He'll have like a, a, his little church, you know, his little congregation of people that come and, and flock to see him. He'll uh, he'll use his celebrity as much as he can, but and I think it will get him something, you know. Like basically, Trumpers are going to be what uh, maybe like nine eleven conspiracy theorists, you know. They're like when you're at a party with a bunch of people and you're kind of like going around meeting people that you don't know everyone and. You talk to somebody and they're, they're like, eventually when they, they feel that they've, the person has gotten you comfortable with them, they'll immediately veer into, oh, well, you know, the thing about Donald Trump, like people always push the conversation to where they want to go when it's something like a conspiracy theory. As soon as they find somebody at a party who's willing to listen to them, they're like, okay, I'm going to talk to this. I'm going to talk about this to whoever I, I, I can get to listen to me. You know, people who people are into conspiracy theories, they always know, they always have enough self-awareness to know that I can't get away with talking about this all the time with everyone. They're tactful about when they bring it up. You know, they're they're careful. They try and be balanced about it. It's going to be like that. That is the Trump fan base is basically going to be that. They're going to be dispersed throughout the country. You're going to run into them and be like, oh, Jesus, one of these people just, you know, slowly back away, you know. I think that's what happens. I think it's going to be a pretty pitiful legacy. And I, you know, I don't think he's done much that's going to outlive. He's done almost nothing that's going to outlive his presidency. And I think he's done very little. I'd say I'd wager he's done nothing that will outlive his life. As soon as he's passed on, I mean, who's going to, who's going to remember him fondly? Some people will. But I think a lot of those people, again, are flavor of the moment and they'll they'll move on to whatever the next thing is when it comes up. So I think that's I think that's it. That was as soon as it became clear to me that I really wasn't a fan of Donald Trump, the president. Didn't really like most of what he was doing. uh, That was my that was kind of what I came to hope. I was like, I kind of hope after one term he's out and I hope there's somebody better who takes his place and I, I just hope that his legacy is just one of failed malice you know and that seems like that's that seems like now the what where we're at we're in the denouement you know he's uh he's on his way out and i gotta say again i'm relieved it's not because i am completely taken with everything that biden stands for you know um 
I had a friend who made this point. I think I think there's something to it that you know really there's more to who is president than just the president himself. The thing is, in the era of Trump, it was very easy to forget that. You know, it was because he made everything about himself and everybody was happy to, whether they loved him or hated him, was happy to play into that whole idea. But there's more to to, to the president and to the presidential election than simply who the individual that happens to be president is. I mean, you you can be cynical. Um, I've, I remember in college, I had these bouts of cynicism where you kind of say like, well, it doesn't matter who's president because the people that are running the country are like entrenched interests politically, economically, and so on. And the whole, whoever's president is just a puppet for those unchanging, you know, interests. And so basically it doesn't matter who the president is. I think that's a little too cynical. And then you could, you could believe that, you know, Whoever is president, whatever party line they're affiliated with, they're always going to do whatever makes sense for that party. I think a little bit more cynicism is called for than that. It's somewhere in the middle. There's people who are are Democratic presidents will tend to do Democratic things. Um, And, you know, Republican presidents will tend to do Republican things. You know, they, they definitely sway one way or the other what they do will be different. You know, there are different flavors to different individuals. And so this is, again, what I was saying before. I understand that were people voting for Trump? I'm sure some people were. I think most people who went out and cast their votes for Trump in this election were probably voting against Biden, and not only just against Biden, but against what they see him standing for. And there's some of that stuff that's problematic. You know, um, which I don't particularly feel like going into. But all this to say, I'm really glad that, I don't know, I hope I hope the way political discourse goes on in this country will change. I hope it'll, I hope people will end up having a little less fire in their belly about this, about all of this, and uh, just chill out and... Um, I don't know. I don't understand like the, the anger about politics. I don't get the anger. I, I talked about this last time. I don't understand. I don't understand the the anger about everything. I don't. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's not worth it. And besides, this is none of this is a matter of life or death. There are some very important things that uh, happen as a result of politics. That is very, very true. And we should care about a lot of those things. But there's a difference between caring passionately and losing your shit uh, when you encounter somebody who doesn't agree with, you know, with you on your own particular hot button issue. That I don't understand. In any case, I have to say, I don't actually know what the other side was thinking in this particular election. I'll explain what I mean by that. I So I, I understand the people who didn't like Donald Trump. I explained exactly why I don't like him. Uh, not because it's fashionable not to hate him, not because 
not because I, I you know, thought he was uh, um, an evil person. You know, I didn't think he was a fascist or anything. I think I think he was just an ineffective um, conservative president. And I don't think he had a whole lot of respect for the office and for the people around him and for the country, for the institutions. That's why I didn't like him. You know, he just seemed to have no respect for the whole process, for the whole thing, for the whole office. And I've, I've heard people say that. I've heard people talk about that sort of thing. I understand that because it's my position. You know, the kind of thing that, that Trump represents not really doesn't really resonate with my core values. But people who are against who are, who were against Biden, like if you're voting against Biden because you don't like what he stands for, I don't actually know what that constituency like of people what backs their arguments. I know that they think that. I know that I have some misgivings about some stuff that Biden represents. But I don't actually know. It's not like I've I've ever tapped into that. Um like a sort of moderate conservative point of view that just says like, well, we prefer Trump because, and we don't like Biden and what he stands for because. Just a really succinct summary, like I just gave about why I don't like Trump. I don't know. I, I was never able to come across that viewpoint in any circle. Uh, what I heard a lot of listening to conservative like talk shows or, or you know, talking heads was that, you know, people on the left were nuts and had some like extreme views that they're looking for, you know, uh, to shut up people who are not woke enough. Like I've heard all of this. Um, the thing is, I, I don't, I don't understand how that's like, that's not Biden himself. Like you, you vote for Biden. Biden's going to take office next January in a couple of months. Uh, it's not like it's suddenly going to be a bunch of woke people in the white house uh, who are all, doing the whole virtue signaling, you know, competing to show just how moralistic they are. Um, I, I don't see, like, I understand how, like, on the ground, that's a problem. You know, again, I worked in Silicon Valley for the last four years. There's a whole thing with James Damore. Like, yeah, there are things about uh, liberalism that have kind of gone off the rails in the last few years, and I really can't get behind them. I don't understand them, uh, and I'm critical of them, um, primarily because I am. I, I do consider myself to be more liberal than conservative, I think, if I had to guess. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've, at least I've always, I've traditionally thought of myself as being liberal, you know, prior to the last few years, before I kind of lost the sense of identity with it. And I can't really, can't really see how I fit into that whole thing now. But I feel like it's it's where I, I don't know, it's where my values tend to resonate more. And I, I just, I don't, um, what am I talking about? I lost my train of thought. Sun's in my eyes. It's getting warm. In any case, that might be enough talking about politics. In any case, Biden won. I really hope that holds. If, uh, if you were hoping Trump would win, I get it. But um, yeah, let's see what the hell else is going on.
I think that's about it. Seriously, now that I'm here thinking about it, I'm, I'm trying to just remember. It, like, the world is so different. I'm sitting outside Target and people are like coming out. They're giving each other a wide berth. They all have masks on. The world is like different now. It feels so much different. What the, what the hell is this? Like I, I remember, I remember going out in San Francisco and just talking to people, shaking hands with people, going into museums and restaurants and just being amongst people and talking to them. None of this fear, none of this, like, we have to mask up and social distancing. That is, like, almost, it's, it's getting on to be a year now. It's like, what are we in? This is month, okay, it's not quite a year. I'm being a little melodramatic. It's seven months, eight months. This is crazy. I've heard people say this. The thing is, I watch television now. I'm watching stuff that is 10 years old. Like I watch a movie and I'll, I'll see the characters in the movie. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys are not six feet apart and you're not wearing masks. What the hell is wrong with you? Like I'm starting to like just subconsciously have this like, you know, not, not judgment, but I'm just noticing, Hey, you're not, you're not listening to the, to the experts, to the health, the health people. Or it doesn't even matter. My brain is just going there automatically. It's like I'm just getting used to this. It's going to be crazy. I remember thinking, like, when we finally... this is, I remember thinking in April, like, we're just a month in to this whole thing. I remember thinking, like, someday. Someday, I don't know when, there's going to be... There's going to be some solution to this. There's going to be a vaccine. And we're just going to like pour out into the streets and hug each other. And there'll be like orgies happening just in public parks everywhere. As soon as we're, as soon as we're free and clear of this whole thing, it'll be grand. Um, I don't actually feel like that will happen anymore. All right. It seems that there's more stuff going on outside, like another car pulled up uh, next to the car that was here before. And now there's more going on. What the hell is this? Can't a guy just sit at the back of a parking lot in the middle of a shopping mall and not have people park next to him? Start doing whatever they're doing. I think they're smoking pot. Uh, which is that's legal here now. Um, oh God, all right. yeah, that's actually legal here now. Um, I wouldn't have imagined Michigan doing that. I actually, I heard Arizona is actually on the cusp of legalizing marijuana. At least if whatever County Phoenix was in, I heard it was, it was, it was, they're pushing for it being legal there. Now, Michigan's one thing. Michigan has some pockets of, we got the Michigan militia. We all seen Bowling for Columbine. There are definitely pockets of, there, there are pockets of red state, uh, all throughout, um, you know, this, 
this uh this this state there there are like i've definitely noticed there are there are trump signs up which is weird um it's it's kind of like any kind of trump support like a bumper sticker or a sign in san francisco like that's just a yeti it's it's bigfoot you do you, you do not see it if you saw it you would take a picture of it because it's you know it's like cryptozoology here it's a little bit more evenly balanced. You see people, you know, rooting for both sides. Uh, Arizona is a whole different ball game. Arizona is definitely red state. I think didn't Arizona fall to to Biden? I don't know how that happened. Honestly, there there are some states that fell to Biden in this election. I'm like, how did you screw that up? Like, how did the Republicans, you know, how did they manage? They must have really fucked up bad, if that's if that's the case. Uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't, I, I haven't followed up on that. But I, somebody I know from Phoenix uh, told me that, and I was very, very surprised because it's that's pretty. I think outside of like. The cities, I mean, well, actually, I don't know. I think even, I don't know how, I, I don't know. I don't know how red or blue Arizona is, where it's red or blue. Don't know why I'm going into this. I can't You just speculate about this. I really don't like this in conversation. Like, this is something that I think maybe predates the internet, where, like, people would say, gee, I wonder why this is, why is this is true? Why does this phrase mean this? You know, or what is the answer to this particular question? And then there would be like some conversation about like, let's speculate about why this possibly is. It's like, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like all of us have computers in our pockets. We could pull one of them out and just resolve this discussion right now. You know, we could have a discussion about much more interesting things for which there are no real answers to be found on the internet. Uh, if I'm going to spend my energy doing anything, that's what I'd rather do. Um, I remember one time I was with my family out in Arizona. Uh, and that we were having such a conversation. And I just pulled out my phone and said, like, okay, I'm settling this right now. And my uncle was so incensed by this. He was like, we were, we were talking about this. We didn't need that figured out. I was like, so you wanted to waste, like, another five or ten minutes, like, talking about this? Like, trying to figure out an answer that could just as easily be looked up? I don't understand the rationale of that, you know. Talk about more interesting things. You know, talk about things that we can't know, you know. Just chilling, just watching what the hell's going on. I think these people are like trying to sell something to somebody else. There's some sort of transaction going on here. Oh, yeah. Okay, there's a piece of furniture. Uh, okay, these two people don't know each other. They must have met like a Craigslist sort of thing, and they're just like, yeah, there's some sort of furniture transaction going on here. All right, this, this makes sense. This is what I'm caught up in the middle of. You see what I'm dealing with here, people? Uh, 
Yeah, you know, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, um, a couple of friends of mine. I went to a bonfire at a friend's place. It was just like the three of us. And uh, towards the end of the night, like it, and when I say end of the night, I mean it was like four or five in the morning. It was way later than I'm used to staying up. I was like dead. And I'm just like listening to my one friend wanted to get political. The other guy, he wasn't, he didn't seem to be into it. He later told me he doesn't really like talking about politics. And I wasn't, I didn't really feel, feel really welcome into the conversation. I felt like when I was talking, it was just like, I was getting in the way. The vibe I got from my one friend just wanted to, but he was like, he was talking about how he's really worried about things right now. And I kept trying to ask him like, what exactly are you worried about? I was like, are you, you know, he, he mentioned he was worried about like fascism in the United States. And I was like, well, are you worried about like, are you worried about like far right fascism? Like is something like Hitler? Are you worried about far left fascism? Like, you mean like talking like Stalin, you know, like Soviet Russia. He's like, well, you got to worry about both of them. And I was like, no, 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 no. Okay. This is it's not the question I'm asking. The question I'm asking you is not like, of course, there are things we should worry about. We should worry about all those things a little bit. The question is you're talking about how there's something specific that you're worried about. You're, you're talking about like something that scares you. And whenever I try and impress you on what the details are, you just turn the conversation to some generalized thing that we should be worried about. You can worry about any number of things. Um, the question I'm asking you is what specifically are you worried about and why exactly are you worried about it? Give me the details. This is what I couldn't press out of him. I don't think he wanted to like take a particular stance. I don't think he wanted to say one way or the other. He was being a little cagey. Uh, but it was really, really clear that I think he's more on the conservative side. Um, And I'm going to tease this apart, not because I, I do think that he isn't exactly right, but I don't exactly know how I would say that. Um, what he was saying, and he was advocating for the whole personal responsibility thing. I think he's more conservative because he, he talks about how people are looking for a handout. You know, people seem to want something for nothing. And my other friend was kind of being a counterpoint to him, saying like, well, there are, there are injustices in the system that have to be corrected in some ways. And I think, I think they were, they were talking about, they were arguing about whether or not there's merit in trying to do this. And my one real, real conservative friend was, you know, basically saying like, well, the thing is, like, of course it's hard. People are going to struggle and you can't bail them out. There has to be some personal responsibility. There has to be, entirely personal responsibility and yeah the the argument my friend was making and this is a guy that i've known for a long time i've known him since sixth grade uh, we go back longer than anyone I, I i anyone else that i know really a couple of the people are the same but he was saying that you know he has struggled in his life he's he's endured hardships and he's worked through them He's overcome them. And his argument was, like I've so often heard, is that if he can do it, then anyone can do it. And so there really is no need for, you know, anything like, uh, what, what would you say, not, uh, not, not welfare. 
you know, basically any kind of government assistance for people who are less economically advantaged, uh, shall we say. Now, I, the thing is, I think that that's, I think that that's true. I think that he's right to some extent. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm thinking to myself, like if I were raising kids, what exactly would I teach them? That is, I think, exactly what I would teach them. I would say, you're going to encounter people who have more than you and have an easier time of things than you. And you will encounter people who have less than you and who have fewer advantages, who have more of a hard time. You need to not be concerned about these disparities. And you need to just, whatever you have in your hand, whatever cards you are dealt, you need to play those as best you can and work on getting yourself, you know, better cards in future hands. You know, sock away some chips for a rainy day. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold. Basically, you have to take responsibility for yourself. Don't piss and moan and think that, you know, the world owes you something because you have suffered or something. That is what I would teach my kids. Those are the values I would instill in them. Now, my friend grew up in the same environment I did. Now, I had a pretty nice upbringing. I grew up in a very, very nice place. My parents were smart about picking a school system. They were thinking if, if our kids are shooting for college, how will this school look on, a, on, a, on an application? You know, how good will the education be itself? How good will the teachers be? Like my father was a high school teacher. He knew how to shop around for these sorts of things. And he did a very, very good job. Picked a very, very good neighborhood. He busted his ass making sure we could afford to live in a place that was that good. I had a lot of legs up. I would say anybody who grew up in my high school and went to my high school and grew up where I did, you, you, you came out with some advantages. Even the people who grew up in the, like, more chintzier parts, you know, like the less, uh, you know, like houses that are like one step or two above trailers. There were neighborhoods like that where I grew up. And, and even people in there, I think they ended up having more advantages than people who didn't uh, grow up here. And so that's, that's, that's the story. Now, I'd imagine that my friend probably had more hardships than I did personally. Um, but I think it's a stretch to say, based on what little I know about him, where he grew up and what has happened to him in his life, even if I, even if I only know 10% of it, and there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know, at some point you got to say there's a line, you know, at, at some point you got to say like, well, where, where is that line? You can look at somebody who grew up next door to you. And say, look, I overcome the same hardships you did. Somebody who grows up in the same city as you, you can look at them and say, like, well, look, whatever hardships you had in your life, they're probably comparable to mine. If I overcame them, you can too. Then but you can just keep going further. You expand the circle and say, okay, well, there are people who grow up in other cities. And how do those cities relate to yours? You know? 
people who grow up in other states with completely different values, people who grow up with different parents, again, with different values, people who grow up in entirely different countries, at some point you cross a boundary where you, you can't say, well, I overcame the difficulties I encountered, so you don't deserve any assistance with the difficulties you are facing because I overcame mine, you should be able to overcome yours. At some point, the comparison breaks down. It's not apples and oranges anymore. And you, you can't make that assertion. Now, I don't know where that line is, but there is that line. You can't say, well, look, I grew up in affluent Oakland County, you know, just north of Detroit, Michigan, born to parents who like provided for me all the time. I never had to worry about where food was coming from. Ended up going to a, a you know, college and got a master's degree and something great, you know, because that's just what people do around here. Uh, education is privileged over a lot of other things, just culturally. You can't say, well, the hardships I encountered, I overcame them here. Therefore, anyone in like, let's say Somalia should be able to do as well as I have done. So individual responsibility, I would say wherever you are, wherever I end up, if I end up with kids, whatever their circumstance, that is what I teach them. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Now, do I think that there are things, are there imbalances in society that we have some responsibility to correct? Probably. And I think it's beyond just me saying you know, it's meant to be a, a conversation we're supposed to have as a society. Like, where exactly is, should we allocate resources to helping, uh, you know, even the score, so to speak? Yeah, the thing is, it's always the difference. It's always, this is always the difference. People conflate this, these two things. What I'm talking about here is how I would raise my kids. Basically, how would I take the advice and apply it to my own life? In principle, what do I do? And then there's the question of what, what we collectively as a society ought to do. We ought to be, all be doing the same thing. And I know that like everybody is supposed to be like a model, you know, uh, you're supposed to do what you think everybody ought to do. You're supposed to be a model human being, you know, but it's one thing to say, I'm going to do what I think everybody else should do as just a shining example. And it's another thing to say, well, because I'm doing it, I think everybody else ought to, you know, and I'm going to stand and, you know, look upon anybody who doesn't do what I do with derision. That's the difference. You got to be worried about yourself. You got to be worried about what it is you are doing right or wrong and just the hell with everyone else for the most part. God, this always gets so pseudo intellectual. I just sit here and like, I just talk like, here's what's wrong with the world. If only like this were different, if only people thought differently about all this, then things would be better. I'm not saying that. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't know anything. 
really, I wish I sounded more curious. Like usually when I'm talking something through, I'm kind of like playing with an idea, kind of saying, well, let's talk this through. And this is, this is apparently characteristic of the logicians in the, uh, in, I'm an INFP, apparently INTPs, the thinkers instead of feelers, like one bit flip away from me. Uh, they, they tend to do this. This will frustrate people because they'll be in conversation with, uh, with people and they'll be just like toying with just germs of ideas, you know, saying like, let's just, just talk this through and see where we end up you know, conversationally, let's, let's kind of bat this idea back and forth and see what comes out of the other end. And people can be frustrated because they think that you're not just playing with an idea, you're playing with like something you actually believe, something that's a conviction. I think I sound pretty sure of myself a lot of the time, and I really am not. A lot of what I'm talking about here is like, let's just pull a thread and see like where like, let's see how this thing unravels if I do that. And sometimes I'll look at it and be like, I, I don't like where that ended up. But I have so many things that I've recorded, like just thoughts I've I've talked through. And where it ends up, I look at, I kind of just look at, in hindsight and say, well, what ground did I cover? I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm publishing that. That was terrible. That, that will have value for no one at all. Don't even know if I'm going to publish this one. If you're listening to it, anyway, I'd like to be some. I'd like to be more lighthearted. Like there's, this is the problem. Like just having some lighthearted conversations with people about stuff is what I'm missing right now. Yeah, honestly, my my father is not in a place where he has conversations like this anymore. He's just, you know, he's he's functionally some sort of like preteen possibly younger like mentally that's just the state he's in and uh you know my mother is she's she's pretty goofy but she's somewhat self-involved i kind of came to realize that at some point is that you know like people don't people don't talk about themselves and what's going on in their own inner world as much as uh she does uh, she's she tends to be very inward focused and that's what her conversation tends to steer around. Um, most people I've, I've met in my adult life are not like that. They are, they are more concerned. Uh, they, they tend to focus conversation on like the, the world around us. Like what, what involves all of us? You know, let's talk about us and not me. I don't really have any of, of that right now. Like people are just, yeah, I'm just in my head. Uh, I've got like people around me are in their own heads, just like they they like what they like. And when I say people around me, I mean my parents. I don't have anyone else that I'm outside of work. I can talk about work. Have I talked about work before? I'm asking you like you can answer me and like you give a damn. I don't know. But the thing is, I am employed now. I've been working for... What the hell has it been? A month and a half now? It's a good job. It's a good job, and I like the people I work with, and I, I do like the work that I'm doing. I've kind of realized that it's been six months, and w during those six months, I was focused on everything but how to write code. I was like, I, I don't want to... I was like, I think I need to just process 
some some issues. I just need to like work through some stuff. And a lot of that in, requires me being distanced from the whole process of what the hell my job is. Like, so just, I was like not writing code, not studying any of that distance from it entirely. And now I'm kind of realizing like, oh yeah, you know, you do that uh, in my line of work, there's definitely a cost. Like you, you come back to work and things rust, you know, and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like bring myself back up to speed so I can like be a, you know, uh, what would I say? A consistent coworker so that when I'm working with people, I'm contributing at like the same level they are and, you know, uh, you know, not, not below that. Um, Part of it's just an adjustment. Part of it's like when you come into a new place, you kind of figure out how things are done. And once you kind of are in that groove, then a lot of, you know, a lot of the adjustments have already been made. But, you know, it's to the point now where like I, I, well, I guess it's just going fine. I'm just adjusting. I'm still new and it's going great. It does actually help my, my, my state of mind to just be actually contributing to the efforts of something uh, going on, some, some work that's being done. You know, people have problems and somebody says like, hey, can you help this person out? So I have to like jump in and, and do something kind of uh, off the cuff and figure out how to solve a particular problem. Um, I like being able to do that. Uh, yeah, I've missed being able to do that. It's been a long time since I felt fulfilled. Um, it's been a long time since I've done that. I mean, at least before shelter in place. And it's, it's, you know, it was a long time even before that, that I felt fulfilled as a person doing it. Um, yeah, so it is good to be working. It is great to be working. Uh, yeah, before I got in, before I got hired, I, I had the impression that I was I, I, I I'm working for another genetic testing company. Like before, I was working for a direct to consumer genetic testing company. So I was basically one of those dealies where you can go buy a kit and you spit into a tube and send it off, and then they sequence your DNA and you get some reports online. That's, that's where I was before. Um, I'm at another company like that, except it's not direct to consumer. In this case, there's a physician that orders the tests and, you know, the physician gets them and has to interpret them for the, the patient. So it's very, very similar to what I was doing before. I mean, the, the, the the, the vertical that I'm in, the industry is very, very similar. Although I'm not working anything consumer facing, which is kind of nice. Um, like every single thing that I code up and, you know, push up onto the servers to run in, you know, production. It's not like it's going to break 
something for millions of people, potentially, if I screw something up. It's more just, uh, you know, there's maybe a few people within the company who are using what I'm working on. So it's much less pressure, much more freedom to, you know, play around. It's nice. It's very liberating. And yeah, I like the people I work with. I like the company. It's 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 absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah, that's about all I can say. I thought that would maybe lead to some more interesting insights. Like I, I can talk about this or that aspect of it. No, not really. Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, God, that was podcaster bedrock right there. It's the end of that story. <laughs> Ah, yeah, I'm, I got to find some comedies. I think I need to watch more television. I'm doing a lot of reading. Uh, it is, it is okay. It is warm and I am dripping sweat. Are you still there? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Um, damn. This place, man, it is a beautiful day. I don't know what I'm doing sitting in a car podcasting. Like I figured I should start doing this every Sunday, but I should really be out like jogging right now or something. This is gorgeous. Absolutely astonishing. In any case, I think I'm going to start heading towards home. Maybe I will do that. I'll go for a jog, maybe do some maybe bike riding or something. There's some Christmas music for you. There you go. Ah. Just between you and me, I absolutely love Christmas music. Not even good. Like, even, the, even the bad stuff, even the really corny, horrible, terrible stuff. I love all of it. I love all that, all that cheese. Give me all of it. It's great. I'm trying to think about like I like I mentioned last time. I have a guitar, and I'm interested in playing the piano. I kind of wonder exactly what instrument I would get a lot of joy out of just playing on its own. The thing is, like, the guitar, you're limited in what you can do, kind of. Same thing with the piano. Like, it's not like playing, I played the clarinet for four or five years from fifth grade till I played it in marching band till 11th grade um, and mixing other woodwind instruments. Uh, that is, of course, not an instrument you can play solo. There's not a whole lot you can do with the clarinet if you're not playing in a band. And I wouldn't even say it's the most appealing part of the band. You know why I played the clarinet? Uh, this is like, this is, this is precisely how dumb I was as a kid. Um, I remember like there was a, there was some sort of like festival. It was like, if you're interested in playing a musical instrument, 
we're going to set up some booths. You can go around and talk to people at the different ones and try the instruments out. And I was going around like blowing on the whatever, you know, here's a, a trumpet mouthpiece, a French horn mouthpiece, uh, whatever the hell. I, I came to the one for the clarinet and she like rubbed alcohol on it, you know, sterilized the thing for me. And I put my mouth on it and just for some reason I was feeling I was feeling a little irreverent, so I just like blew on the thing as hard as I could. And I just held it out. It was kind of like getting attention. Uh, like, hey, I'm in this room full of people. I'm going to make this crazy noise. And it wasn't even a clarinet. It was just a mouthpiece. So it was like, imagine like the annoying sound of the clarinet, but way the hell up there, really, really high. Uh, basically it was like that. And the lady who was like doing it, she looked at me and she said, Oh, I can't believe how long you held that. That was great. Just that little bit of positive reinforcement. I was like, you know what? I'm going to play the clarinet. Didn't realize until I don't know what it was. Uh, several years later, I was like, I hate this instrument. This instrument is a pile of crap. <laughs> there is nothing good about it. Um, I will say Pink Martini uh, makes good use of it. Hang on, little tomato. Outside of that, though, there is no reason for that instrument to exist. So that's an instrument, like I was saying, that, that's an instrument that has to be part of an ensemble. You cannot just be like a solo clarinet player. Uh, I, I've seen people on the streets with their clarinet cases open, like begging for change, playing jazz clarinet or something usually they're, they're usually they're playing it along with some some music it's good it's good but that it's it's just it can't stand on its own i like guitar and piano because they can stand on their own uh there are some instruments like that that, that are perfect in that way uh, organ would be one for some reason i even think about those instruments though and I think this would be too limiting. I don't like the idea of I'm a guitar player and that's just all I, that's all I can produce. You know, I'm, I'm dependent on having a bass and drum player and another guitar player to actually flesh out the sound so that it is like a song. It's ridiculous. Uh, because I know that like this is, you play an instrument, this is what you do, and you have to just play with other people. But for some reason, I don't want to be... I think I want to be one of those guys that has, like, the one-man bands. Like, they're blowing into one thing, and somehow the air is being, uh, you know, split and directed around to, like, several different instruments, and your feet are, like, playing the drums, and your hands are controlling uh, a bunch of different... wherever the wind is going, like, what notes are coming out. I can't even describe it. You've seen these these things. They're like, they're more like the, the, they belong more to the universe of like cartoons than they do of reality. They're just silly. This is like what I think I want to be, just a one-man band. Whoopa. I am passing someone on the shoulder. I have no idea if that's legal or not. Don't really give a shit. They were stopped making a left. That's right, I'm narrating my driving right now.
and my headphones are about to die. That means this is coming to an end. I'm going to have a little bit of a trouble uh, charging these things up and resuming in the midst of this whole thing. So our time is coming to a close shortly here. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I have. This has been great. Cruising around in November in northern suburban Michigan, Detroit. I mean, not northern Michigan. I'm nowhere near northern Michigan, thank God. I've actually never been up there. I've been to Mackinac Island. Uh, If you don't know where that is, there's a bridge... uh, that connects the lower peninsula to the upper peninsula. That's Mackinac Bridge. There's a little island um, somewhere around that bridge. Uh, which, I mean, you, you, there's no cars on it. I think maybe the cops have cars, if that. But everybody's on horses. You park your car on the mainland and you ferry over there. And it's, it's a big tourist destination. Uh, that's as far north as I have been. I have not been up um, in the Upper Peninsula, which I've I've heard things about it. Like you hear the accent that uh, Canadians have, which I'm not even going to try and do. But you know they have the the A's at the end of their punctuating everything they say. Uh, I hear that the accents, like that whole thing, is actually much more pronounced and people are much more difficult to understand in like the Upper Peninsula, like Northern Michigan. Once you go over the bridge, it's just a whole different culture. kind of wonder how true that is. Like one, one or two rungs on the ladder below uh, Eskimos. <laughs> um yeah, no, it's definitely, it is definitely cold, frigid wilderness up there. Um, I imagine it's a lot like Anchorage, or what I what I imagine Anchorage is in the wintertime. I've been to Anchorage in the uh, in the summer. I went in July. I think when I went, I like I had just been living in California for what had it been like six years, like Southern California on the coast, like Santa Barbara it was like perfect weather. 360 days of the year. Maybe you're getting some fog the other five days. 70 degrees all the time. Like It was basically that for six years straight. And, uh, you know, that summer I moved back to Michigan. We were going to spend like a winter back here. And... Then, you know, around that time, I flew up to Anchorage for some for some event over a weekend. At that point, I was not ready for the winter that uh, Anchorage would serve up. I was not acclimated for that at all. As a matter of fact, like I went for some entrepreneurial competition, like one of those build a business in a weekend sort of like uh, dealies, a competition. And... The team that I ended up on, you know, it was kind of like you get to pick a team you want to be on the first night and, you know, they have to want you. But the team that I ended up on was this, this professor, uh, at a university up there. I forget what he was a professor of, something sciencey. 
for engineering. Uh, really smart guy. Uh, but his idea was, so up in Alaska, I, they might have these down in the lower 48 too, I don't know, but there are these like rubber dealies you could pull onto your shoes uh, that have little hooks on them, on the bottoms. They basically like, they're, they're spikes that you can pull onto your shoes. And people would, people in Anchorage drive to the grocery store and in order to walk into the grocery store from their car, just to navigate those 200 feet or so, you got to put these damn things on your shoes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's how you do it. That's how you get across the parking lot without slipping and falling and breaking your neck, I guess. Uh, so the idea for the business was make some technology that can be put into the soles of shoes where they're like, there's just like this little remote you have on your keychain. You just go, and the spikes come out. And then you got traction. It was a great idea, actually. Like, I'm thinking about all the all the things we went through that weekend to try and get a prototype of that, like, even designed, not built. And I think about the ideas we were using, like, the what we were toying with. God, I'm thinking of some better ideas now. Why didn't we do that? But anyway, that was the idea. Uh, so yeah, I can't I I can't imagine what the hell winter is like. If you if you need some special gear, just walking into the grocery store, I don't want to know what the hell an entire winter in Anchorage is going to serve up. Lots of darkness too. That was the other thing. Being there in July, in Anchorage, you're so close to whatever the hell the, the longitudinal thing is, but, like, there was only five hours of night. Like, it was 11 o'clock at night out, and, like, the sun was... It didn't even feel like it was going down yet. Like, dusk was around midnight. And dawn was, you know, like, five in the morning. You'd go to... Like, the person I was crashing with, he had, like... Uh, like, you, you, you basically have these things you put over your... You have to somehow simulate night. You have to figure out ways of getting the light blocked out so you can go to sleep. You have to trick yourself into believing that everything's normal. But yeah, I mean, Anchorage, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, these have got to be like, uh, I mean, from my experience, from what I know, and have dealt with, this has got to be like the dark side of the moon. I, w I wouldn't have the first clue. It's pretty easy going from, you know, suburban Detroit out to California, like I did uh, about 12 years ago. That was pretty simple. You can make that transition. I think going from anywhere to California uh, is, you know, that's not difficult. Wherever you are, you can make that work. Uh, I think if you're doing the other, going the other way, like at the time I spent in California, I met plenty, plenty of people who are California natives, and they were all terrified. You know, so to say, so like, hey, have you ever thought about like moving to Boston? And they would be like, oh, hell no, I, I could never do winter. Thing is, I'm kind of glad, like, as as nice as it would have been growing up in California. 
I'm glad I didn't grow up in California because I'm glad that I, I, I know I can, I can handle some shit. You know, I can tolerate less than perfection, you know, like, like right now, I, there was no hesitation in my mind. Like, okay, my parents live not in California, somewhere with frigid winter. Should I go visit them for, for coronavirus? Like, yeah, sure. Why the hell not? Let's do it. I was not like retreating into my like, like I wasn't pulling my head into my shell like a turtle saying like, no, there's no way I could spend a, a winter in Michigan. No. I grew up somewhere that had some grit, you know, there's more possibilities. There's more, there's more future open to me. I know what I can handle. You know, I think it's probably a lesson in that for parents. I'm not going to figure out what the hell it is. You do that on your own, people. What the hell am I paying you for? <laughs> ah. Damn, this is a beautiful day. I'm just wasting it. Anyway, I'm pretty sure my headphones are going to die, so I'll, I'll say the thing that I always say rapid fire at the end of every one of these goddamn podcasts and say like, hey, I know this is a trying time. I know things are fucked right now for all of us. But that's the thing. It's for all of us. Right? We're, all in this, we're all in the same place right now. It's messed up. But it's messed up for all of us. We're messed up together, people. I feel like we are brothers and sisters, you and me, all of us. That's right. So wherever you are, I hope you're, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope that if you're following the political situation and you're watching the news, that you're not losing your shit. I was uh, editing crap for a dating, uh, one of those dating profiles, you know, like some questions, like you can put a question on there. Then you answer it. That's a way of like describing something. And uh, what was the one I answered? It was like, if you, if I could have any superpower, it would be dot, 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 fill in the blank. What I ended up writing down was I wish I could, I wish I had the power, the ability to just get anybody who's like high stressed and freaking out about nothing, about some trifling bullshit. I wish I could just get them to chill the fuck out. I said something to that effect. Peace of mind, you know. That is, in earnest, a very wonderful thing. And it's something that I take for granted all the time. But I'm glad that I... I I tend to be pretty chill about things and don't take things too seriously and uh, don't take things that don't matter too seriously. I'm glad I can laugh. Glad there's some levity in my life and I can just kick back and enjoy the ride. We need more of that. Wherever you are, if you're stressing out, I hope I hope you can find that for yourself. Go do whatever it takes to find that. Find find your peace. Find your inner peace of mind and just, just live. Don't even live. Just enjoy being alive. 
That's what it's all about. It's not all about happiness. It's all about achieving a balance that sort of oscillates around a contented place. There's going to be stress because life is stressful. It just comes with the territory. Don't try and get rid of it all. But at, at least like have some balance. At least have a place where you can de-stress. At least have a way of working the stress off. Where you get that satisfaction. That's what I want for you. That's what I wish. I don't know you. But if you're listening to this, hope you're doing well. My headphones are about to die. So I'm going to terminate this overly long goodbye that we've been engaged in. Hey, some kids on a lawnmower. I don't know why they're riding a lawnmower around on the side of the road, but they just waved at me. Friendly people. Anyway, this is it. The final hurrah. Wherever you are out there, take care of yourself. Until next time, this is Jim signing off. Take care. Cheers.